the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Anybody know what this place is? This is Gettysburg. This is where they fought the Battle of Gettysburg. 50,000 men died right here on this field. Fighting the same fight that we're still fighting amongst ourselves today. This green field right here, painted red, bubbling with the blood of young boys, smoke, and hot lead pouring right through their bodies. Listen to their souls, man. I killed my brother with malice in my heart. Hatred destroyed my family. You listen. You take a lesson from the dead. If we don't come together right now on this hollow ground, we too will be destroyed. Just like they were. I don't care if you like each other or not, but you will respect each other. And maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll learn to play this game like men. Welcome to the main event. No, it's no fun being an illegal alien, especially when uh, the ice squads are coming to get you over the next couple of weeks, I guess starting on Sunday. And apparently they don't uh, care if anybody knows about it because uh, uh, the Democrats keep warning everybody, you don't have to answer the door, you don't have to do this. You know, ICE is going after the illegal immigrants that have actually been to court. They've had their hearings. Or they no-showed at court. And the judges, they went through their judicial process. They're not just throwing people out for ste- the, for sneaking over. They're going after the ones that s- 
specifically went through the court process and were deported and were ordered to have deport deportation orders. And, uh, you know, the Democrats think that's okay. Hey, you don't have to answer it. You don't have to obey the law. Just keep breaking the law. I'm wondering when they're going to say it's okay to keep breaking the law to, uh, not pay our taxes. I'm wondering when they're going to say it's okay to keep breaking the law to, uh, um, I don't know, not pay our bills and, um, maybe, uh, just keep, uh, writing bad checks or maybe it's, uh, who knows, who knows at what point does this stop? If it's okay to break this law, why isn't it okay to break that law? Anyway, I also open up with that clip from uh, Remember the Titans. You know what? Uh, that movie, that movie, I've seen it a million times. Came on TV the other the other night. Watch it again, and it's amazing. It's amazing how far we've gone backwards in the last ten years in in the race relations in this country. It's just amazing to me. You know, it's I watch that movie and I watch how how. Uh, how the Titans came together and how the, and how, and it seems like how America has had come together for so long. And, uh, you know, Hey, we don't have to like each other. You just have to respect each other. You know, when, uh, you, you know, different races and stuff, you know, all my life I've known, Hey, I you know black people, Mexican people, uh, foreign people, white people, everybody. Hey, we all just treat each other the same. Who cares what you look like? And, uh, it's always been ingrained into me since I was a kid. And, uh, now it's uh now it's that's not good enough for anybody. Hey, we want reparations, we want this, we want that. We want you to bow down and and uh, worship us. Hey, you know, it's so no, hey, I don't like everybody. I don't like every white person, I don't like every black person, I don't like every any Hispanic person. I don't like everybody, but I respect everybody until they give me reason not to respect them. And uh and I expect not everybody likes me and not everybody respects me or I would expect everybody would respect me until I give them reason not to respect me. You know, if you're a Democrat, you probably don't respect me, but that's okay. That's okay. Cause I don't respect you if you're a Democrat either. So anyway, uh, <clears throat> I, I go off on a tangent. So anyway, um, I thought it was pertinent. I thought it was pertinent. And I thought, you know, with, with what we see out there today, everything's about, everything's about color and, and, uh, and, uh, it's it's just it's just not America, and it and it and it's not something that Trump started. It's something that should have been done with Obama's election, and it wasn't. Obama's election proved that you know there was no there was no ceiling for anything you could do, but based on race. Hey, Obama's a black a black president elected by black and white people, and supported continually supported by black and white people, and. He should have. He should have said, "Hey, you know what? This is proof that there's no more, no more limits on on you in in this country, and you should stop, stop with the race, the racist stuff." But instead, he said, "Hey, let's get some payback." So anyway, that's uh, that's my uh, my take, and it's kind of disgusting what I see today, and it's disappointing. And uh, hopefully, we can turn things around in this country. But and we're going to talk about what's happening and. so you have so have some perspective on it, specifically my perspective because. You guys may or may not have some perspective, so if you have the same perspective, I'm going to give you backup to to make you feel better that your perspective is right. And if you have the wrong perspective, you're going to say, "Hey, uh, hopefully you're going to say, "Hey, maybe I maybe I'm wrong." More than likely, you're going to say, "Hey, that Hoffman guy is full of it." So, but anyway, um, in either case, I've got the mic. Enjoy it. So, anyway, uh, before I go on, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. 
If you're inter- interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and believe me, with the way rates are right now, there's some great opportunities in real estate. And if you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me but you don't want to talk on the phone, for whatever reason, you want to uh, creep up to me and you want to just kind of put your toe in the water and see what kind of reaction you get first, then uh, go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Um, find the Summit Funding logo, click on that, and uh, fill out the forms to tell me how much information you want me to have and tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Alex Rojas, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, or Brian Goodman, and you'll, uh, you'll, we'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Uh, if there's anything that you want, uh, you want repeated, you heard this, you want someone else to hear it, you want to share it, or you do, or you miss part of it. Also go to edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as several past shows, uh, available for, uh, for listening on demand. You can also uh, get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes where you can uh, subscribe for free, have it download to your, uh, to your uh, phone or your uh, or your iPad or your iPod or your or your mini pad or your maxi pad or your iWatch or your computer or whatever you listen to uh, podcasts on and uh, listen to it whenever it's convenient for you. Um, follow me on social media at Ho- at Ed Hoffman is tw- is my Twitter and uh, the Facebook page for the show is uh, facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. And if you want my personal Facebook page, you can uh, find me. Just find me. I'm sure there's a lot of Ed Hoffmans in this country. Um, mine has a picture of me on it. So anyway, you'll uh, find me there. Um, we seem to be having some technical difficulties with our listener hotline. So if you tried to get in touch and uh, couldn't get through uh, in the last week, um, I apologize for that. But if you want to, if you want to leave a comment on the show, email me at ed at edhoffman.net. Uh, don't call the other number unless you want to talk about mortgages um, or send me an email at Ed Hoffman, Ed, Ed at edhoffman.net, and I'll be sure to read your message. And uh, maybe I'll just talk about it, if, and I'll let you know next week if when we got our uh, our listener hotline back on. Change phone, change phone systems over, and uh, there's some technical difficulties there. So let's talk about what, what's uh, happened in the last week. Ross, Ross Perot, the Texas billionaire whose two presidential campaigns captured a populist sentiment that paved the way for the eventual election of a candidate like Donald Trump, died this week at age 89. Perot won 19% of the vote in 1992, an accomplishment that still stands among the best showings by an independent candidate in the past century. I think uh, Perot could have won in 1992, but he got out and then got back in. So he was, uh, you know, I remember uh, 1992, uh, I bought Perot shirts uh, for my kids, Youth for Perot, uh, save our uh, save our future, and uh, and then uh, we had signs in front of our house. I thought he was genius, talking about the way, running this country like a business, um, and no one had ever talked like that. And he used to come on and do his infomercials, and do uh, he'd do like a half hour half hour prime time uh, show. And I don't think I'm trying to think of. Uh, was there cable TV back then? There must have been cable TV, but there just wasn't so much because um, he was doing prime time like on ABC or something and doing a half hour, go through his graphs and show how things work and what we need to do. And, and uh, you know, I, you know, I can't diagnose it. I need to get under the, get under the hood and diagnose it. And, uh, um, and 
I just thought it was, hey, we need to run this country like a business. He made it. He made a uh, a case for it, and uh, but a, apparently he 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 backed out. Said he was getting some death threats or people threatening his kids, and he backed out. And um, and I thought I was disappointed because he he probably I felt like George H W Bush was was tired. I I didn't really feel like he wanted to be reelected. You know, nobody wants to not be reelected because it's a uh, it's humiliating, I guess. That hey, you have have one term and then you got booted out. Um, but I felt like uh, George H W went into went into the uh, the Desert Storm. He liberated Kuwait, and as he's going towards uh, liberating Iraq, um, everybody complains and hey, you know what? You said you're going to liberate Kuwait. Okay, you did that. Now back off. And, uh, and he did. Okay. Okay. We'll do that. And then, uh, and then, you know, kind of cut and run for the Iraqis and left them all to, uh, left everybody to get kind of abused by Saddam Hussein. And, uh, and I think, I think he lost a lot of credibility there. And then he, at some point he raised taxes and, uh, I thought he was, I just, I don't, I think he was beat up and, uh, Bill Clinton clearly a sleazebag. And, uh, back then it says, Hey, Trump, uh, Perot's our guy. And, uh, uh, so I was promoting him. That's probably when I probably really start, probably got the most involved in, uh, in, uh, in politics was cause I said, Hey, I see this country needs change. Uh, speaking of the similarities between Ross Perot and Trump, listen to this clip from Ross Perot during the first run of the presidential election in uh, 1992. I suggest now that our number one preoccupation is red ink in our country. And we've got to put our people back to work so that we can afford to do these things we want to do in Russia. We cannot be the policeman for the world any longer. We spend $300 billion a year defending the world. Germany and Japan spend around $30 billion apiece. It's neat. If I can get you to defend me and I can spend all my money building industry, that's a home run for me. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. You know, I'm listening to him in 1992. I'm going... You know, it makes logical sense to me. You know, I don't care if uh, if he talk if he talks kind of funny and he's a goofy looking guy. And uh, you know, I, I I just don't know where it came from. He's got a southern accent, like from from Texas. And uh, you know, he wasn't as good looking as Clinton, and he wasn't as well known as Bush. But uh, he sure made a hell of a lot of sense to me. You know, I was a I was an engineering major in college before I dropped out. I was a I was a math guy, and uh, this kind of stuff makes sense to me. Now listen to Donald Trump on the Oprah Show in 1988, four years earlier, and uh, see if you recognize any similarities. You took out a full page ad in uh, major U.S. newspapers uh, last year, criticizing U.S. foreign policy. What would you do differently, Donald? I'd make our allies forgetting about the enemies. The enemies you can't talk to so easily. I'd make our allies pay their fair share. We're a debtor nation. Something's going to happen over the next number of years with this country because you can't keep going on losing 200 billion, and yet we we let Japan come in and dump everything right into our markets and everything. It's not free trade. If you ever go to Japan right now and try to sell something, forget about it, Oprah. Just forget about it. It's almost impossible. They don't have laws against it. They just make it impossible. They come over here. They sell their cars, their VCRs. They knock the hell out of our companies. And, hey, I have tremendous respect for the Japanese people. I mean, you can respect somebody that's beating the hell out of you, but they are beating the hell out of this country. Kuwait, they live like kings. The poorest person in Kuwait, they live like kings. And yet they're not paying. We make it possible for them to sell their oil. Why aren't they paying us 25% of what they're making? It's a joke. 
Yeah, and for those of you that are under 40 and you don't know what a VCR is, it's a video cassette recorder. That was before that was before DVDs and Blu-rays and all that stuff. So uh that was a thing that we had had back then, big cassettes and there was even a Betamax, a little bit smaller cassettes and uh you know, it was that was the way it was in the 90s. So anyway, uh um you know, I wonder did Perot listen to Trump and go, "Hmm, or was Trump or was Perot already knowing that stuff?" And he just hadn't didn't have the platform. So think about it. Trump was forty two years old at that time. Probably not ready to run for president. Had some good ideas. Was was uh, clearly thinking about things, but wasn't clearly not ready to run for president. Um, Perot was sixty two four years later. So uh, when he ran and say, hey, you know why? You know why young guys don't get elected president very often? Because they're young. And I'll tell you that. You know, it's it's wisdom that you get from experiencing life that makes you understand. It's so it's so easy to see how what it what it means to you know what how to be a good parent when you're a grandparent, because by that time you've already raised your kids to being adults, and or at least far you know or at least close to adults, depending on what how old they are when they have have your grandkids, but. You know, you get you get through the the baby stage and the toddler stage and the and the and the little uh, the little kid stage and the and the preteen stage and the and the adolescence and the, all that stuff and you and you get them into being adults and you deal with that and especially if you actually get them to to move out and pay their own bills there's some there's there's really some, a lot of stuff you learn teaching your kids and then when your kids have kids it's clear. That God had had a uh, had a messed up sense of humor because when we're young, we don't have any idea how to be parents, and then when we're old and we have a clear uh, clear idea how to be parents, we don't have the energy to keep up with those little kids. So there's something you know there 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 should have been it should have been designed different, but it wasn't. So I guess that's so uh, grandparents can teach uh, parents how to uh, how to do things, and of course they don't listen anyway, but. Um, at some point they do. Um, so anyway, one more clip from Ross Perot. Here's the infamous giant sucking sound prediction. Now, now think about this before we play this. Uh, that it doesn't sound so far fetched now, twenty years, twenty twenty seven years later. But think about this. Minimum wage at that time was four dollars and twenty five cents. So as Ross Perot describes this, think about it. he's talking about he's talking about in a time when four twenty five four dollars and twenty five cents was minimum wage. Listen to what he says. To those of you in the audience who are business people, pretty simple. If you're paying $12, $13, $14 an hour for factory workers, and you can move your factory south of the border, pay a dollar an hour for labor, hire a young 25, let's assume you've been in business for a long time, you've got a mature workforce. Pay a dollar an hour for your labor, have no health care, that's the most expensive single element, making a car, have no environmental controls, no pollution controls, and no retirement and you don't care about anything but making money, there will be a giant sucking sound going south. Yeah, there will be a giant sucking sound. And think about this. Think about this from another context. From another, from another context. Okay, 425 was the minimum wage. He's not talking about factory workers making 425. He's talking about factory workers making $12, $13 an hour. Because guess what? Minimum wage is not how you raise a family. Minimum wage is where you start out right after high school or right in high school. 
and then you work up to factory workers. Factory workers are where you go. You do manual labor. You don't have a you don't have a college degree. You go in there. You work your way up into factory workers, warehouse workers, and you do that stuff. And you eventually work your way up and, and make twelve thirteen dollars an hour. You know, three times three times what the minimum wage is. That's how you support a family. You don't say, "Hey, uh, minimum wage should be enough to support a family." It shouldn't, because that's what you start out people with no experience. So anyway, uh, hey, um, Ross Perot, rest in peace, buddy. You were an inspiration for a lot of people in this country, and uh, clearly a uh, awakening for many people. So uh, we started off talking about a good man. Now we have to talk about a bad man. Uh, finance mogul Jeffrey Epstein was indicted Monday for running a sex trafficking enterprise between 2002 and 2005, allegedly paying underage girls to have sex with him at his homes in Manhattan Beach and uh, Manhattan, not Manhattan Beach, not in California, Manhattan and Palm Beach. Court documents said Epstein paid associates to lure girls to his residences. One victim who appeared on the Today Show said Epstein's recruiter was a woman who lured, lured her away from her Manhattan high school when she was 14. So Epstein, 66, was arrested, who was in 2002 was 49. So he's 66. He was arrested at Teterboro Airport, New Jersey, while still aboard his private jet returning from Paris. And he was, he was, at least he was landed. Uh, according to the court filing, federal agents executed a search warrant of Epstein's mansion in New York City that same night and seized a vast trove of lewd photographs, including those of underage girls. Epstein is charged with one count of trafficking, trafficking of minors and one count of conspiracy to engage in sex trafficking of minors. One? One count? Is that all? Is that maybe there's only one person who will testify? He could face up to 45 years in prison if convicted of both of both counts. Later in the week, his legal team requested house arrest. Epstein's trafficking activities have been an open secret on the Internet and in social circles for years. With his privately owned island in the Caribbean, which is Little St. James, going by the nickname Orgy Island. And another open secret is that one of the most infamous, one of the most, one of the most famous people to fly on Epstein's jet which also had implicating nickname of the Lolita Express, is none other than former President Bill Clinton. Here's how Clinton's spokesman is explaining away the, the connection. President Clinton, hold on, let's, let's quote this. President Clinton knows nothing about this terrible crime Jeffrey Epstein pleaded guilty to in Florida some years ago, or those with which he has been recently charged in New York. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. No, uh, he probably uh, he probably has no he has has nothing he knows nothing of these knows nothing at all and we believe him. Okay, we continue. In 2002 and 2003, President Clinton took a total of four trips on jet. This is this is still part of his uh, his spokesman saying in 2002 and 2003, President Clinton took a total of four trips on Jeffrey Epstein's airplane: one to Europe, one to Asia, and two to Africa, which included stops in connection with the work of Clinton Foundation. Yeah, work of the Clinton Foundation. I think the work of the Clinton Foundation is just uh, evade taxes for uh, paying money to other corporations that pay Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton and Chelsea Clinton. Staff supporters of the foundation and his Secret Service detail traveled on every leg of every trip. He had one meeting with Epstein in his Harlem office in 2002 and around the same time made one brief visit to Epstein's New York apartment with a staff member of his of his security detail who probably had sex with somebody too uh that I put that little piece in there. Uh he's not spoken to Epstein in well over a decade and has never been to Little St. James Island. Yeah. 
Right. Epstein's ranch in New, in New Mexico or his residence in Florida. But flight okay, that was his whole that was their whole statement. Okay. But here's here's going back to reporting. But the flight records published by Gawker in uh two thousand fifteen suggested that Clinton took at least a dozen separate flights on Epstein's plane. One year later, Fox News reported that the flight records showed President Clinton had flown at least twenty six times on Mr. Epstein's plane. Uh I heard twenty seven. That's a lot more than four. Even Nancy Pelosi's activist daughter is warning her fellow libs. Uh, to be prepared. This Epstein case is horrific, and the young wo- this is her this is her tweet. This Epstein case is horrific, and the young women women deserve justice. It is quite likely that some of our faves are implicated, but we must follow the facts and let the chips fall where they may, whether on the Republican or Democrats. Hashtag we said enough. Hashtag me too. Uh, meanwhile, the meanwhile meanwhile the media wants to focus on the connection between Epstein and President Trump, who only knew Epstein as a fixture in Palm Beach. I knew him like everybody in Palm Beach knew him. I mean, people in Palm Beach knew him. He was a fixture in Palm Beach. Uh, I had a falling out with him a long time ago. I don't think I've spoken to him for 15 years. Uh, I wasn't a fan. Yeah, so uh, everybody knows everybody, and everybody drops names of rich people. If you're a billionaire, you know other billionaires. And uh, and uh, he, he also has made a kind of, hey, he likes beautiful beautiful women like me, and some of them are on the younger side in an interview. Uh, but, you know, he didn't fly on the plane like Clinton and Trump banned him from Mar-a-Lago for trying to recruit one of his underage employees. He filed a, filed court court papers to ban him from his club uh, in 2011. And I think uh, that says something uh, for Trump. Anyway, uh, hey, I'm out of time for part one of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, sports, weather, and commercials, and I'll be right back with more of this. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance, but let me just say, if you have real estate and it's not all paid off, you should call me at 855-640-2020 because rates are great. Uh, I think I think the statistics say that uh, the, the interest rates have dropped in the last 12 months, three quarters of a point. So if, uh, if three quarters of a point Lowering your interest rate makes a difference, uh, and and also in the last five years, your uh, your v- home values have gone up about fifty percent. So uh, as much as fifty percent. So if you uh, if you have a house with uh, with uh, mortgage insurance, might be might be a good opportunity to take it off. Um, so anyway, if if you want to inquire about what makes sense for you, call me toll free at eight five five six four zero twenty twenty eight five five six four zero twenty twenty, or go to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo, and put in the information in the computer, and tell me how much information you want back, and that way we don't have to talk until you're ready to talk. So anyway, uh, so let's go on. So we were talking about uh, before we uh, finished the uh, part one, the first half of the main event. Um, we were talking about Jeffrey Epstein and what's going on with, uh, this, uh, billionaire hedge fund dude, um, and his, uh, his, um, his uh, appetite for, for underage women and his uh, arrest on behalf of that. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, the, the media is all trying to take the eyes off Jeffrey Epstein and whoever may be implicated by all the information they collected. And, uh, I'm expecting this is going to be a drain the swamp thing by the time it all comes out. But um, because he was connected with a lot of people, um, I'm thinking they're trying to connect it to Trump, so to take the uh, take the attention off. 
And uh, like I said before the before the break, uh, Trump filed. A, I assume it's a restraining order to keep him out of the Mar-a-Lago, Mar-a-Lago club in uh, in uh, Palm Beach, Florida, because um, he was hitting on underage girls in his club. And uh, he said, "Hey, none of that, none of that." So, uh, and you know, there's a there's a picture. Hey, look at Trump and Trump and uh, and Epstein. They're they're partying together here with some young women. And if you look at the look at the picture, the young woman standing next to uh, Trump is Melania. So, uh, you know, he's just taking advantage of young women, and then he marries them and uh, makes them first lady. So, uh, I think that's that's not too bad. I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty good. You know, uh, rich billionaires that that are uh, available that are in their early fifties. I guess it's okay for them to uh, go after women in their late twenties. And I guess I don't know. <clears throat> I'm not a. I'm not. I'm not single, and I'm not going after young women. So I don't really know how that is. But uh, there seems to be some attraction of those young women to those guys with money. Um, so anyway. Uh, the media is, fixed, fix, is fixated on a plea deal that Epstein received from federal prosecutors in 2008 because it was handled by then-U.S. attorney, not because he got a plea deal, because they clearly don't care about that in certain instances. But in this case, the then-U.S. attorney, Alexander Acosta, is now Trump's secretary of labor. If you didn't know who Alex Acosta was before, the media made sure you learned learned of, of him this week. Here's, president, here's the president when he was asked if he was considering asking Acosta to resign. I can only say this from what I know uh, and what I do know is that he's been a great, really great secretary of labor. Uh, the rest of it we'll have to look at. We'll have to look at it very carefully. But you're talking about a long time ago. And again, it was a decision made, I think, not by him, but by a lot of people. So we're going to look at it very carefully. And I don't know what a great secretary of labor does, but I know somehow Trump's created like five and a half million dollar five and a half million jobs uh, in the United States since he's been in for two and a half years. Um, I'm assuming Trump's creating an environment. He's not he's not hiring people himself. I think he's creating he's lowering taxes on corporations and he's you know hey he's giving tax breaks to his own to his buddies his buddy millionaires. Well, he's giving tax breaks to people who pay taxes and he's paying and he's giving tax breaks and they're oh wait. Trump and his kids are are benefiting from these tax breaks. Well, they built they built businesses and businesses are going to are going to to benefit and and what about the little people? They didn't get any benefit. Yes, they did. They got jobs. They got jobs, they got raises, they got bonuses, and they got tax breaks too if they make enough to to uh pay taxes. So, all these jobs are creating that is the result of these tax breaks and uh tax breaks and uh and regulation uh, regulation uh, reductions. So it makes an environment where private private industry creates jobs. So uh, Acosta defended the reasons for Epstein's plea. Uh, so anyway, what I was saying what I was saying was um, I don't know what the labor secretary does, but somebody's kind of tracking all this stuff. Somebody's doing the the back the 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 back the the back end work on this stuff. And uh, Trump's creating some 10,000 feet above sea level um, regulations, and somebody's working to make sure that jobs are being created. So uh, I guess I guess that means he's doing a great job. I don't know. I don't really know. But uh, Costa defended the reasons for Epstein's plea deal at, in a press conference on Wednesday. The Palm Beach State Attorney's Office was ready to let Epstein walk free, no jail time. Our prosecutors as this 2008 article recounts, presented the ultimatum, plead guilty to more serious charges, 
charges that required jail time, registration, and restitution, or we'd roll the dice and bring a federal indictment. Without the work of our prosecutors, Epstein would have gotten away with just that state charge. When we proceeded, the expectation was that it would be an 18-month sentence, and the expectation was that it would be served in jail. And so this work release was complete BS. And I've been on record as far back as 2011 saying that it was not what was bargained for and it was not what we expected. I, I understand what the victims say, and I'm not here to try to say that I can stand in their shoes or that I can address their concerns. I'm here to say we did what we did because we wanted to see Epstein go to jail. Yeah, it's hard to believe that something like this could happen. You know, Epstein's just Epstein's just saying stuff to get himself to get himself, uh, you know, to to make excuses. You know, down the road, eleven years later, he's trying to make excuses to cover up. Right? That's what the Democrats will say. Hard to believe that this could could really happen unless you're paying attention to the Jussie Smollett deal. You know that uh, you know they had tons and tons of evidence that this guy created this. You know, uh, set up this hate crime here to get to get uh publicity and created a big a big deal a big deal to uh for publicity and it cost the city of Chicago a ton of money and uh when they arrested him then all of a sudden uh district attorney Kimberly Fox decided to uh, make a deal with him hey you're going to give up your bail money 10,000 bucks and you're going to do a couple hours of community service and uh we're going to call it a day and uh, of course, that was after some talks with some friends of Michelle Obama. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe this really could happen. Maybe. So uh, Friday morning, uh, Acosta actually resigned, and uh, he resigned to this effective next week. Um, uh, Trump uh, uh, tweeted at it. Tweeted this. Uh, tweeted uh, Friday morning. Alex Acosta informed me this morning that he felt the the constant drumbeat of press about the prosecution which took place under his watch more than 12 years ago was bad for the administration, which he so strongly believes in, and he graciously tendered his resignation. Alex was a great Secretary of Labor, and his service is truly appreciated. He will be replaced on an acting basis by Pat Pazella, the current Deputy Secretary. So uh, I just say, hey, you know what? He, I, I understand that that's what happened. Then I guess we can expect Kimberly Fox uh, the Cook County, Illinois uh, district attorney to resign next because uh, she clearly did the same thing. Uh, of course, she's a Democrat, and uh, uh, it's it's all different when it's Democrats. The laws, the laws are, you know, you want to see, you know, they, everyone talks about income inequality and uh, and uh, opportunity inequality. Well, opportunity is not ever any inequality. It's it's opportunity is always equal, um, but apparently results are unequal. Um, but the inequality is, is how the, how the law is, how the law is enforced, uh, in this country. If you're an illegal alien, you don't have to follow laws, but if you're a citizen, you have to follow laws. If you are an illegal alien in California, you pay, you don't have to pay for your healthcare service, healthcare in this, in this state of California. But if you're a legal citizen, you have to pay for healthcare and you have to wait in line and, uh, you have to deal with what the insurance companies say they're going to give you. And uh, it's just, and if you're a Democrat, you get wave on everything. And if you're Republican, you're responsible for everything. Um, I don't know. I I don't know if you uh, if you see any uh, 
any issues there. You know, if uh, if if you if you want to buy guns, you have to have an ID. If you want to buy, if you have guns, you've passed that background check. It's okay. I'm I'm okay with that. But if you just want to buy ammo for your for your guns, now you have to have an ID in California. But if you want to vote, you don't have to have an ID because it's because that's that's uh that's uh voter suppression. I don't know why buying am, am, uh, ammunition for your guns, which is a constitutionally protected right to to bear arms and protect yourself, why is that not uh, suppressing of our constitutional rights to protect ourselves when they're requiring ID to buy ammo? Um, you know, if you want to kill a baby that's inside you, if you're a woman, that's called that's called uh, um, make, you know having choice with your own body. And, but if you but if you need if you need pain meds or anything any certain me- medications, no, you can't have those because the the doctors are going to be uh, the doctors can't even prescribe them to you because they're under scrutiny of being losing their their license to practice medicine. But if you want to smoke weed and get behind the the smoke weed and which you get behind the wheel of a car and who knows what you, what you can do to damage yourself and and everybody else on the road. Well, that's legal. And if you want to uh, drink as much alcohol as you want, and you can get addicted to weed, you get addicted to to uh, to alcohol. You can get addicted to all that stuff. Now in California, in Colorado, they just made magic mushrooms, which is a hallucinogenic um, uh, legal. That's okay. But if a doctor wants to prescribe you pain medication for any any uh, ailments that he des- descri- describes you have, um, that's not okay. I don't. I don't see where the. I don't see where the, where the equality in the in the uh, uh, enforcement of laws is, in the or in the in the in the granting of of rights in this country are. I don't see where where that where that comes to play. And you know what? Uh, and granted, having having those freedoms in this country, um, there's going to be people that abuse them. Hey, we have. You can go buy alcohol if you're 21. Um, some people are going to abuse that and drink and drive, and some people are going to become alcoholics. Um, but that's part of the the freedoms, and some people are going to smoke weed and drive, and they're going to kill people, and that's part of the freedoms. And uh, if if uh, the doctors are free to to uh, prescribe pain pain medication or that to uh, people with chronic pain, there's going to be some doctors that are are uh, that are going to take advantage of that. Maybe they're going to they're going to let people buy prescriptions even when they when they just want to abuse the drugs. There's going to be some of that. And uh, and that's part of our freedoms. I went to a seminar in 2008, uh, a real estate wealth seminar, uh, and uh, Donald Trump was the was the uh, keynote speaker on Sunday night, and uh, Tony Robbins on Saturday night. And there was all kinds of speakers all throughout the weekend. But uh, one of the speakers on Saturday was Alan Greenspan, and one of the things that he was asked was, "What do you do to prevent another mortgage meltdown from happening in the future?" And he didn't say what you do. He said he said Fraud and corruption are a byproduct of our freedoms. As long as we have the freedoms we have, there's going to be people. There's always going to be people that take advantage of those freedoms to their advantage, and they and they they commit fraud and corrupt and they corrupt it and do do the wrong things. You know, they they created subprime subprime mortgages to because they wanted to help help people that couldn't quite qualify for loans to make it easier for them to qualify for loans. But then, but. Then that made people made it easier for everybody to cheat, and uh, before you know it, people are are you know doing cash out refinances to you know as they're artificially pushing the value of houses up. 
now people have so much equity. Well, let's let's pull money out. I'll just state my income higher, state my income higher, and pull out all this money and buy me a Cadillac Escalade uh, for cash, and I'll buy me a new boat for cash, and I'll buy all this stuff for cash. And when the market collapsed, the banks couldn't take back the uh, the the Escalades and the boats, or the vacations, or whatever they did with that money. They could only take back the house, and the houses shrank in value. So all that all that all that uh, fantasy equity that was there went away and almost destroyed the whole uh, economy. So it was a bad product to be to be out. And of course, fraud and corruption are part of our freedoms, but that that remains the same. So anyway, let's uh, let's go let's go on. There's only a few things Nancy Pelosi and the freshman women in Congress agree on these days. More than more than more on that in a minute. But one thing they do agree, one thing they do agree on is that asking a question about U.S. citizenship on the 2020 census is an evil racist act. Even though no one seemed to think so for 40 years, and the question was on the census from 1960 to 2000. Um, why do we get rid of the question? In 2000, the government phased out the long form questionnaire that accompanied the census for randomly chosen residences. Residents and the citizenship question was on that questionnaire. When the next census happened in 2010, the Obama, administ- uh, the Obama administration did not opt to bring the question back, that questionnaire back. So uh, the back, some background on it. With uh, with the 2020 U.S. Census scheduled for printing in July, Trump administration has been quietly working to have the question added. As usual, various federal judges made rulings against it. Uh, on June 27th, su- uh, the Supreme Court upheld the lower court rulings and issued a 5-4 ruling rejecting the Trump administration's reason for adding the question as pretext, which means he wants it for some ulterior motive, and being contrived, meaning it's deliberate. He's putting, de- well, yeah, it's deliberate. He wants to know how many illegal aliens are living here. They gave the administration until July 5th to prove otherwise, and were not satisfied with the White House's reason to enforce the Voting Rights Act. What's wrong with that? Wait, we're we're not allowed to ask for ID, but we're not allowed to even count how many legal voters there should be so we can know if there's a problem there with the voter registration. So, you know, enforcing the Voting Rights Act is not important enough to ask people if they're legal. How about a congressional districting because you know uh based on based on how many people are in your in your in your uh, state is how many Congress people you get and they redistrict based on how many people. And uh, that means how many electoral votes you get in presidential elections and how much money gets federal funds get uh, sent to each state. And if it's uh, and if your state has a large population of illegal aliens and you don't know if they're illegal or legal. Um, and I guess maybe that's why uh, Gavin Newsom is attracting all of them because when the census comes out, um, there's going to be a lot of people here, so California can get a lot of money, and uh, and they won't know whether they're uh, citizens or not citizens. But that should make a difference in in how votes get get applied. Um, and I and my my question is not why are we want to ask that question. I say why don't the Democrats want to know that? Why wouldn't they want to know that? Although that reason was rejected, the court essentially. Uh, said, uh, said, try and see if you can come up with another reason that would pass muster in the courts. Earlier this week, Att- Attorney General William Barr dropped, dropped a hint about what the administration's strategy might be. 
Yes, you know, we've been considering all the options, and I've been in constant uh, discussions with the president ever since the Supreme Court decision came down. And I think over the next day or two, you'll see what approach we're taking. I think uh, it, it does provide a pathway for getting the question on the census. I think it's good that we have a, an attorney general that's at least uh, trying to support the president's agenda. Cause, and I don't know that that's, that's always right, but the president, I think, I think this president has has his intentions in the right place. Even though the Democrats would uh, tell you otherwise, Rashida Tlaib and uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez played their standard outrage game over this, but it was Nancy Pelosi who kicked the rhetoric into overdrive. This is political motivation, Mister. This is very racialized. This is because you don't want communities like mine being represented here in this chamber equally. This is not about whether or not I want to know who is a citizen in the United States or not. I want to know about the racism that and the, and the very disturbing history that we're seeing here. That's what I want to know. This is about keeping, you know, make America, you know, this hat, make America white again. They want to make sure that people, certain people are counted. It's, it's really disgraceful. And it's not what our founders had in mind. How offensive is that for the Speaker of the House to make those kind of comments about the president? You know, it's it, you know this is this is where I'm going with this uh, with with our remember the Titans opening in the first half. It's you know what this is so disrespectful. Why wouldn't we? It's not about color or race. It's about legal citizenship. You could be from another country and and be white, but you're not here legally. You could come from from any country illegally and you're not entitled to, entitled for certain benefits you're not entitled to vote but apparently this is the rhetoric that the democrats are putting out there there were some rumors that the president would cave and allow the census to be printed without further delay but on thursday he announced in the rose garden that he will issue an executive order to ensure the census includes the question on citizenship um, I don't know exactly. That's I don't think that's exactly what he did. Actually, um, what and before I go on, what other countries have citizenship on their census? Uh, lots of them, including Canada, Australia, Ireland, Germany, and Mexico. Simple question is: Is this is this person a U.S. citizen? Oh my God, that's so racist! Let's play uh, Trump's uh, 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 Rose Garden uh, press conference. There used to be a time when you could answer questions like that very easily. There used to be a time when you could proudly declare, I am a citizen of the United States. Now they're trying to erase the very existence of a very important word and a very important thing, citizenship. Today I'm here to say we are not backing down on our effort to determine the citizenship status of the United States population. I stand before you outline new steps my administration has taken to ensure that citizenship is counted so that we know how many citizens we have in the United States. Makes sense? Does make sense. Makes complete common sense. Take out, take out the racial accusations. What he says stands alone. It makes sense. The feud between the House Speaker and uh, Nancy Pelosi and the four freshman members known as the Squad heated up this week. Remember, this is on the heels of those members voting no on the $4.6 billion bill to aid the migrants that they claim they care so much about. The four freshman members that I'm talking about, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Elon Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and Ayanna Presley. 
Tensions first elevated last weekend when the New York Times quoted Pelosi as saying, all these people have their public whatever and their Twitter world, but they didn't have any following. There are four people, and that's how many votes they got. So uh, uh, Ocasio-Cortez, Omar, and Talib were quick to hit back on uh, where else Twitter. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said, public whatever is called public sentiment, and wielding the power to shift is actually how we achieve meaningful change in this country, except for you don't have a brain, so you're creating a, a public sentiment based on BS. And uh, uh, Elon Omar said, uh, you know they're salty about who is wielding the power uh, the power to shift public sentiment these days, sis. Sorry, not sorry. She's a moron. She's a total moron. So Wednesday, Pelosi held a closed-door meeting of all Democrats, House Democrats, and addressed the issue. According to someone in the room who spoke anonymously to Politico, Pelosi's remarks to her, her members included, Don't play into the GOP's hands. Every day, some of our members have to fight the fight for their re-election in their districts. It makes sense for what we can do for the American people, if we have the majority. Without that unity, we are playing completely into the hands of the other people. That means Republicans. Uh, next, she said, we're, we're a family and we have our moments. You got a complaint? Come talk to me about it. Do not tweet about our members and expect us to think it's just okay. She concluded her comments by saying that when someone is tempted to publicly badmouth another Democrat, think twice. Actually, don't think twice. Think once. And what I kind of wish someone in the Republican Party would say that. Um, I think I think Reagan did. Um, according to the same source, Ocasio Cortez arrived late to the session, did not speak, but she sure spoke on Wednesday to the Washington Post when she actually accused Nancy Pelosi of singling her out because of race. And they quoted her: "The persistent singling out." It got to a point where it's just outright disrespectful. The explicit singling out of a newly elected w- woman of color. Okay. The next day, she quickly denied it while exiting the House chamber. It's singling out four individuals. Um, And knowing the media environment that we're operating in, knowing the amount of death threats that we get, knowing the amount of of concentration of attention, I think it's just just worth asking why. Do you think she has racial animus? Is she racist? No, no, absolutely not. No, no, absolutely not. I think that's called backpedaling. I think uh, maybe someone got her uh, her wrist slapped or her, or her toes stepped on or maybe got her butt kicked uh, in the uh, house by some of her other members saying, hey, you need to shut your mouth. You don't you're 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 not you're not smart and you're just raising raising attention. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode. Of the main event. Lots more to talk about. If I had another hour, I do have another hour next week. Hey, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1012658, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, Branch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, Equal Housing Opportunity. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.